I'm excited this morning. Man, I'm excited this morning. I love it when God puts together the worship and uh, the songs just blend in perfectly to what God's trying to speak to us from the Word. You know, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, I, I'm simply trying to be very, very practical in helping us get our confidence back, our holy swagger back with the Lord and the way we carry ourselves. I've told you before that God wants, expects us to act differently and live differently and function differently in the world because we know Him and because He loves us. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, you guys tracking with me. I said the cross was the cornerstone of all of God's blessings. Aren't you grateful you've been forgiven? Yes. Your slate wiped clean. All of your sins no longer held against you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Great news, but it gets better. Aren't you glad you're free? You know, Brian, you came out of all kinds of addiction and crazy lifestyle, uh, and, and now you're a free guy. Uh, you love your wife. You love, you love your family. You're, you're, you're loving Jesus. You, you didn't just get forgiven. You got free. How you know there's a difference? Don't settle just for forgiveness. Get freedom. We have a lot of ministries here that help people get free. Don't stay in that place of bondage. And then lastly, this is the best news of all, forgiven and free. And how about this, the favor of God? The hand of God, the hand of blessing of God on your life for good, that God's goodness, surely goodness and mercy, the Bible says, will follow me, chase me down all the days of my life. That's called favor. That means God is looking out for you and for your good because he loves you and he's committed to you. This is good news. Am I speaking to the right crowd? You don't have, you don't have to ask the question, you know, God, could you maybe please help me out with this situation? He's waiting to help you out because you thrill him. Because of what Christ has done on the cross. You thrill him. This is great news. And I saw, so I said the cross was the cornerstone of our boasting. And then out of the cross comes our new identity. And we talked about this last week. We've been adopted, which means God chose us to be part of his family. Man, that's cool. And nobody wants to be the person left out. God chose you. God Almighty chose you to be a part of his family. Incredible. We said you're accepted. Even in our shortcomings, failures, weaknesses, God loves us and accepts us, does he not? And Christ died to pay for all those sins so that we could be brought fully into his arms. And then we said, thirdly, God adores us. Now, many people don't know what it's like to feel adored. But guess what? God wants you to feel adored. He wants you to know how much he cherishes you, how much he values you. This is great news. So how many know between the cornerstone of the cross and the cornerstone of our new identity and being loved, man, we should act differently, think differently, conduct ourselves differently. We should carry ourselves differently. There should be a sense of confidence in our hearts and in our spirits because of who we are. Now, look what the Bible says about the lion, because God, we sang about the, the Lord is the lion, the lion of Judah. And we can't take this for granted because the lion is the one who majors on swag, all right? L listen to what the Bible says. This is, this is Proverbs 30, 29 and 30. Look on the screen with me. It says, here are three things that walk with stately stride or with swag, as I'm saying. No, four things that strut about. And then it tells us the first one of the four. The lion, king of the animals, who won't turn aside for anything. Now, the Bible compares us to a lion. It compares the righteous to a lion. And I'm wanting you to get the connection here. When God says that righteous people are like lions, he's saying that just like the lion, the king of all beasts, you don't need to be afraid of anyone or anything, and you can stand in peace and confidence, fearlessness, 
uh, being a part of who you are in the midst of some of life's most trying things. Lions, lions don't back down for anything. They're fearless. They, they're the epitome of strength and invincibility. And God says this in Proverbs 28, verse 1. And hear this. The wicked run when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. The godly are as bold as lions, which means you're going to go through things in this life that are going to try to shake you, scare you, knock you down, overwhelm you, but how I many you know lions don't run from anything or anyone or anybody? Lions stand their ground, and lions let out a roar that can be heard for miles. The roar of a lion sends chills down people's spine. There's something about roaring in the Lord and boasting in God and standing for who you are that produces fearlessness, invincibility, and strength, which is something every one of God's people need. Because I'm telling you, the enemy will attack all those, all those areas of our life, and he's trying to keep us in fear and in bondage. Now, let me ask you this question. Why does it say that wicked people are fearful people. Now, if you're someone here today and you're struggling with fear, I'm not calling you a wicked person. Uh, I am saying this, though. You need to get your swag on. You need to get your holy confidence in God back because fearlessness is not beco- or fear is not becoming to God's people. I want to say that again. Fear is not becoming to God's people. Fear is associated with wicked people. And let me ask you this question. Why does God say wicked people are fearful people and righteous people are bold people? That's what I want to talk about today. What's the difference? What is it about a wicked person that causes them to be filled with fear? I touched on this a few weeks ago. I'll tell you what it is. It's a bad conscience. It's a bad conscience. How many of you in your previous life, you know that life where it wasn't so full of righteousness and good deeds and loving God, and when you were a scoundrel, anybody know what I'm talking, don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about, your, your, your scoundrel days. How many of you know there was a certain sense of paranoia about you? You know, I mean, people that aren't living right are paranoid people. You know why they're paranoid? Because your conscience is your judge, and your conscience says guilty, and because your conscience says you're guilty, you're looking around for the law enforcement to come get you. You're looking for the judge to show up and say you're guilty. I once had a man at a church that I was pastoring at before I came to Living Stones years ago, and let's just say he had a shady past, all right? He had a violent past. And even though he was saved and now born again and forgiven, when we would go out to a restaurant, say like for a men's breakfast or something like that, he would get there early and he'd pick the one seat in the restaurant where his chair was in the corner so that nobody would be at his back. And the reason he did that was because he had a shady past, and he was afraid that his past might one day catch up to him. Now, how many of you know God wants to get rid of our guilty conscience? Because a guilty conscience, it's like how many of you, some of you maybe didn't have that shady of a past, but let's put it in something we can all understand. You're driving down the highway. You're having a great day, and you look over, and there's a police car pulled in a side area, and he's got this thing up. It's called a radar. Now, what happens when you see him? Instantly, you're filled with joy. And you say, Lord, I just thank you for law enforcement officers, for the rule of law. God, my heart is so filled with joy. You wave and smile. In fact, you pull over and you run and give them a gift. No, you don't do that. What, what you do instinctively is you have adrenaline rush through your whole body. And you take your foot off the gas and you put it on the brake. Even if you're going 30 miles an hour in a 55, you're just going to make sure and you put it, you put it on the brake. 
problem is most of us, I'm guilty, are sometimes over 55, and we realize, oh, I've been found out, all right? It's called a guilty conscience. How many of you know when we come before God, if you're a wicked person, you, and, and I'll just say something else, you don't have to dig around to figure out if there's stuff. Have any of you ever had a quiet time with the Lord, and you open up your Bible, and you're like, Lord, I just want to have a sweet time, me and Jesus, and instantly you open up your Bible, and the Holy Spirit says, you know, you were, you were impatient and a little rough with your wife, and you're like, Lord, did you really have to bring that up right now? I'm trying to have a quiet time. I'm trying to get close to you right now, Lord, and you're messing with my marriage. You know what religious people do? They just keep having a quiet time. But you know what righteous people do? They close their Bible, and they go do what the Bible says we should do. And they go to their wife, and they, and they say, hey, honey, will you please forgive me? I, forgive me for my impatience. I don't know what I'm talking about here. The reason is God wants there to be nothing blocking me and my heart and him and his heart, nothing in, in between, which is why it's an interesting. God says before you bring your gift to the altar, Go deal with the unforgiveness. Before you, do, you, 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 know, you come and bring him a gift, make sure that you're not out of source with somebody else in the body of Christ. The Bible says fight for unity, fight for peace. Why? Because when there's no unity and no peace, it doesn't matter what we're singing or what we're preaching, uh, God's not going to be blessing our gathering because these are great things, foundational things. And here's why they're important. We want a clean conscience. We must have a clean conscience with God. And I want to encourage you, sometimes the other person is out of your control. You might be fighting for your marriage. You might be fighting for, for healthy relationships, and the other person's not fighting. They're, they're running in the opposite direction, all right? They're like the wicked person fleeing. But listen, here's what's so good. I've had times in my life when I've done, made stupid decisions, bad choices, and whatever, and, you know, and people rightfully you know, get this going on and on. And you know what? When I realized I was wrong, I go to those people, please forgive me. Go to my wife, honey, please forgive me. Go to the Lord, Lord, please forgive me. And listen, once I go to the Lord, and I know that I've been forgiven, it doesn't matter if six billion people on planet Earth misunderstand me. Listen, my conscience before God is foundational. It's fundamental. And people that aren't living right don't have boldness with God because every time, you know, what happens? They come to church. Oh, I hear this all the time. Man, if I came to church, the roof would split open and a lightning would go through and I'd be gone. Well, what are they trying to say? I got a few issues I need to deal with. You should be coming to church. That's exactly where you need to be. You need to deal with your guilty conscience and only God can deal with your guilty conscience. Am I preaching the truth here today? A guilty conscience is not too much for God to deal with. So you need to let him clean the guilty conscience so that your boldness comes back. Now, let's go to the other side here because this is important. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why are the righteous as bold as a lion? I want to give you about five reasons why righteous people should be bold this morning. All right, I'm going to go through this quickly. Five reasons why righteous people should be bold. Number one. Righteous people enjoy a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I just got to say something here. Let's just say Pastor Dick wants to introduce me to his good buddy, uh, Ed Krause, right here in the front row. And I've never met Ed before. He, Ed, Pastor Dick says, you got to meet him. The guy's great. I'm like, awesome. So there comes a time, the meeting's set up. Hey, I'm Ron Johnson. I'm Ed Krause. Good to meet you. How many of you know that's a beginning place? But if I never pursue this man... If I never go out for coffee with him, if I never talk to him, if I never share my heart with him, I will have no personal relationship with this man. In fact, if nothing happens besides that handshake, 
and we just go on with life. If I asked you, hey, do you know Ed Krause, what would be the answer? Uh, well, what do you mean by no? I know of Ed Krause. I met him one time. We shook hands one time. But is Ed Krause my friend? No, he's not my friend. I don't know anything about Ed Krause. Here's what I'm afraid we've done in the church. Hey, if you just come forward and you sign the dotted line and you pray and you shake hands with Jesus, you can meet Jesus and everything is solved. And you go, cool, where is he at? Where, where can I shake his hand? Yay! And, and then you go on your merry way. Do you have a, rela do you have a relationship with Jesus? Nope. No, you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You shook his hand. You prayed a prayer. You signed a card. That's not what gives you boldness and confidence with God. It's in knowing Jesus. It's in walking with Jesus. It's in going through life with Jesus. It's talking to Jesus. Listen, it's about Jesus being your friend. It doesn't mean going to church, taking communion, throwing something in the offering plate. That has nothing to do with a personal encounter with Jesus. And the handshake is just the beginning. Thank God there was a day when I shook this woman's hand and said, hello, hello, I would really like to meet you and know you more, all right? And then what happened? I pursued her and pursued her and pursued her, and now I'm still pursuing her. And listen, if you told me something about my wife, I know my wife. If you said something that was out of character, out of context, I would say absolutely not. That is not the woman I married. You know why? Because I know her. People would come up to me and say, well, what would your dad do in this situation? I don't even need you to ask me that question. I served my father. I was in his house. I was raised in his house. I served him here for decades. If you want to ask me what my father thinks about something, I can tell you what he thinks about it, and I can tell you how he would act about it because I know his character, and I have an intimate relationship with him. Is this making sense? It's the same thing with God. When you know God and someone says, oh, well, where's God? Well, I'll tell you where God is. He's working right now on my behalf. Yeah, the answer might not be here yet, but I know who I'm dealing with, and I know what he says, and I know his affection for me, and don't start questioning God or mocking God or mocking Jesus because I have a relationship with him, and you might be turning your back. I ain't turning my back. He is a friend of mine, and I'm going to walk with him to the very end. That's what it means to have a walk with God. And people that know God are confident people. People that have a personal relationship with Jesus are bold people. Look what it says here in Acts 4.13. The council members were astonished. What were they astonished about? As they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John. Let me just tell you this. People that know God and walk with holy swagger will astonish the world. When everybody else is shaking, everybody else is freaking out, everybody else is up in their Prozac prescriptions, the people that walk with God will cause everybody else to go, what is it about that person? I'll tell you what it is about them. It's the confidence that they carry themselves with. It's the confidence that comes from knowing Jesus. Peter and John had it. And check this out. It says they were especially astonished when they discovered these guys were just ordinary men. They had never been to the Roar Bible College. Ordinary men. Never had religious training. Ordinary men. Then they began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them simply by spending time with them. Whoa. How many of you know people who spend time with Jesus are full of astonishing boldness? People who walk with God carry themselves differently because they know who they're partnering with and it gives them strength. 
Let me go on to the next one, point number two. What's the secret of holy boldness, roaring like a lion? People that have boldness live with a clear conscience. Look what 1 John 3.21 says. My delightfully loved friends, when your hearts don't condemn us, we have bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Isn't that good? Bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Look what it says in Job 4 verse 6. Here's the question they're asking Job. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? Can I tell you two things that fill us with confidence? And these are, these are things that we do. I'm, I'm focusing on my responsibility. Jesus on the cross took care of my forgiveness and my, my freedom and my favor. I'm talking about how do we respond to that? We walk with reverence towards God. I mean, you know, we live in an irreverent world. You know, I'll just say this. I, when I see things on, that come on TV in my house that mock God or are irreverence towards God, it makes me angry. I shut it off in a second. It's like I will not allow irreverence for God in my, under my roof. It's how you carry yourself. Is God the center of your life? Is his reputation what matters? When you walk in reverence for God, you're bold. Let me hit this one. When you walk in integrity, you have confidence with God. What does that mean? Well, let's talk about the marketplace. Are you treating people in the marketplace with integrity, or are you cutting corners? You know, sometimes brothers and sisters, even under the roof here in church, they do business with each other, and they don't always operate with integrity. Sometimes debts are not paid. Sometimes people fall on hard times, and they don't follow through. And let me just tell you, when you come to worship, and you see your brother or your sister, and you know you owe them something, What's going off inside your mind at that time? Are you thinking about how much you love Jesus? No, you're thinking about how you still have not made it right with your brother or your sister, and your conscience is condemning you. Am I speaking the truth? I'm saying remove all shadiness in integrity or lack of integrity so that you have a clear mind before God. And listen, when you come to the Lord, there's a boldness about you because you're going to God face to face because there's nothing between you. I told you before, one of my most favorite passages in Scripture uh, is with uh, Samuel, the prophet. Of course, he was conceived supernaturally, raised up by God, spoke the word of the Lord to God's people, Israel. And there came a time when Israel decided, we don't want a prophet guy like you, and we don't want God to be our king. We want a real-life king like all these pagan nations around us. Y'all remember that? And Samuel's heart was grieved for God. He was so grieved. And God said, hey, don't, don't you be upset. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But here's the moment I love because it is a moment of stalwart integrity. Samuel comes before the people and he gives them a speech and he says to them, have I ever stole anything from you? No, they said. Have I ever defrauded you in any way? No, you have not. Have I ever resisted speaking the whole counsel of God to you and telling you the truth about what was on God's heart? No, you have not done that. And he went on and on and on like a, like a lawyer in a trial room. He made a case, and what he was doing was building a case for his own integrity. And what he was saying is, am I speaking the truth to you? And he's looking at them all eye to eye and face to face, and they all said, you're speaking the truth. And then he said, well, let me tell you the rest of the truth. And he shared with them the heart of God. And you know what? The people wailed and lamented because they realized at that moment they were guilty before God. But Samuel was always one of those people in the Bible that I have admired because, listen, don't you want to stand as a beacon of integrity in the marketplace, in your marriage, in your home, before your kids, before your spouse, before brothers and sisters, and most of all, before God Almighty? Don't you want to have integrity in your life? 
Don't you want to have a sense that that person, when they speak, you can count on their word. Their word is true. See, when you have people with integrity, those are bold people. They got nothing to hide. Their life is an open book, and they operate before God and before people with integrity. When you have integrity, you have boldness and confidence. That's what we need. We need to get a clear conscience before God. Look at Job 4.6. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Notice the connection between reverence and confidence. And doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? Say, Pastor, I'm, I'm out of hope. Your life of integrity should give you hope because you can bring your integrity before God and say, God, I have trusted you. God, I have walked with you. Listen to me. This is why, this is why financial integrity is so important. I can stand before you and before God and say from the moment I was first taught what it means to honor God with my finances, I have been faithful. I'll say this, I have been more than faithful. I have been exceedingly faithful. And even when we have come upon difficult times, hard times like you and I both know, I can tell you this, that that belongs to God has never ever been cut from him. Now listen to me, listen to me. So pastor, what do you, what, do you, want, a, you want a badge here? Do you want a award? No, I'm, giving, I'm teaching you a principle. So when I have a need, what do I do? I go face to face with God. And I say, Lord, we have been faithful from the moment we understood your word. We have walked in integrity in this issue. We have sown when it hurt. We have given when it hurt. We have honored you, and we have never, uh, we have never cut you short. We have never cheated you in any way. In, that, in the area, this particular area, we have never cheated you. So you know what we say? Thank you, God, that you are faithful and that you're coming through and that you'll never allow your seed to go begging for bread or to be without. You always provide. Where does that confidence come from? It doesn't come from the magic confidence fairy. It comes from walking with a pure conscience before God. Is this making sense? I remember seeing a dear saint stand up with her gray hair, a godly woman in the, in the, in the general in the church, and she, she held her Bible up and she kissed her Bible. I thought it was weird at the time. I was just a young, young man. She kissed her Bible and she says, you know what? For the last 60 years of my life, I have, re- I have read through my Bible every year as a spiritual discipline. I love the Word of God. Can you imagine reading through the Scriptures 60, 70, 80 times over the course of your life because you have a hunger for God's Word and that gives you a sense of confidence before God because you know what He says. Is this making sense to anybody? See, this is, this is my response to the truth that I receive. I have to walk in integrity. and I have to have a clear conscience. Let's go to the next one. I'm going to hit these quickly and then we're going to respond. Number three. People with a righteousness uh, that leads to boldness walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, I know the fear of the Lord is not a popular phrase today because we, we like to overdose on the love of God, but how many of you know the love of God and the fear of God go hand in hand? Uh, and I think we do the fear of God a deep disservice when all we do is talk about love and grace all the time, but we leave out the balance. How many of you know we should be standing in awe of what God did for us on the cross and if you just had, you know, when I looked at this couple that was up here, and it was cute because when she said, I want to provide the hearing aids for you, uh, he looked at her and said, now you know how much those cost. This lady runs a hearing aid business. <laughs> it's like we come before the Lord, and we're like, Lord, now you know. Uh, yeah, you're talking to God. He knows everything, all right? Just be grateful and say thank you, all right? But here's the deal. When, when the Bible says when we continue, for instance, in known sin, we crucify afresh and anew the Son of God. 
So you're, you're over there and you're like, oh, Jesus, thank you for your grace. And you pick up the nail and you keep pounding it in. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you. Hey, anybody got a sword that I could run into his side? Oh, anybody have a, you know, a, a whip that I could beat him up a little bit more with? Uh, that's exactly what we're doing when we continue, after we've acknowledged Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we continue to willfully sin, you're crucifying Christ afresh and anew. Is that a way to demonstrate your love for God? Is that how you show love for people? I don't think so. If I told my wife, oh, it's Valentine's Day, I love you so much, and I punched her in the face, I don't think that would be a great demonstration of how much I love my wife. No, I'd be saying, what is the matter with you? Your love is warped. Your love is sick. What is the matter with you? Well, how much more when we continue to walk with a guilty conscience before God, when God's provided a way that we don't have to live with a guilty conscience? How about being free? How about being forgiven? How about not, not doing that to Jesus? That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. It means, you know what? I, I've seen people do this too. People play politics all the time with their lives. Pastors play politics all the time. Well, I don't know if I'm gonna preach on that passage because that particular passage is kind of controversial today. I mean, I hear pastors say this all the time. If I would preach on that particular verse, like if I touch on anything that has to do with sexual sin, gender identity, if I preach on any of that stuff, I'm gonna have people in my church that are gonna get mad and they're gonna leave. Let me just tell you something. You don't walk in the fear of God because you pick and choose on what you think people are going to like. And I'll just say this. Any person in this room that has a call on their God to be a spiritual leader, you better not fear what people think about you. You have one person to represent and one person to honor and one person to please, and it's not the people around you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You honor him. You put him first. You fear him. Now listen, the reason so many people are double-minded is they want to please everybody at the same time. Stop it. It's ridiculous. I met with a mayor in a city nearby on these very issues that I just talked about, and he said to me, look, when I sit here as mayor, I have to please everybody. I said, are you nuts? I didn't say it that way, but I'm paraphrasing. Are you crazy? How many of you know People have differences of ideas and opinions, and you cannot physically, logically, reasonably try to please everybody at the same time when everybody has a different opinion. So let me give you a hit. Please God. Fear God. Honor God. Take what God says and say, you know what? Come hell or high water. That's what I'm believing. That's what I'm standing on. That's who I'm pleasing. God likes it when you do that. And listen, when you know that you have stood up and you have done what's right and there's been heat for it, then you know, you know what? The Bible says when you have suffered for the sake of the gospel, there's a sense of joy being identified with Christ and a boldness that comes upon us because we are honoring God and we're walking in the fear of the Lord. So important. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God means safety. Isn't that great? Psalm 147, 11, the Lord's delight. What does God love? What does God take delight in? In those people that fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Isn't that good? Number four, who's bold? People who practice joyful obedience. Jesus said this, John 14, those who truly love me are those who obey what I say, obey my commands. Those who don't love me will not obey my words. How you know Jesus equated a love for him with listening to him? I want to say that again. Loving Jesus is not a feeling. 
It's a verb. Loving Jesus is not a goosebump. It has feet. It means you're pursuing and doing and putting into practice what he said. And Jesus said, if you won't listen to me, you don't really love me. He cuts through all the fog. Look at what it says here. 1 John 4, 17. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. God doesn't expect us to be perfect in our love right now. We're growing. He's perfecting us. He's changing us. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him, notice here, key words, with confidence. And I want you to circle that next word, because. Whenever the Bible says because, you're, you've just encountered a conditional promise. How many of you know there are unconditional promises and there are conditional promises? Unconditional means God just says he's going to do it irregardless. Conditional promises are those promises that require something from us. Now I'm going to show you something here. How do we face Jesus with confidence? How many of you know if you're in Christ today, you've given your life to Jesus, the day will come when you're going to stand, you're going to have a face-to-face appointment with him. Now, maybe you know that's not going to be determining whether or not you made it or you didn't make it, because that, that judgment has already taken place. Jesus already paid the price for you. you. with me? I already paid the price for you. But when we stand before Jesus on the great day, how many of you want to come running in there with boldness and confidence? Like, yes, I've been living for this moment. And it's not like this awkward thing at like the sixth grade dance, you know, with the boys and the girls, you know, where they're opposite sides of the room kind of checking each other out. No, you don't want to be on the opposite side of the room checking out Jesus. You want to be racing into his presence. How can you do that? The Bible says here's how you can do that. Notice the because. How do you come boldly in his presence? With confidence. Because we live like Jesus right here in this world. How many of you know if there's a big difference between the way you are now and the way you're going to be in heaven, we got problems. Because if your behavior is radically different, we got problems. This is the trial test for eternity. And we should be living and acting and loving like Jesus now, not waiting to try to act like him when we get there. Is this making sense? So how do you have assurance? Live like Jesus. How do you have confidence with God? Love like Jesus. How do you have boldness in your prayer life? Serve like Jesus. Take care of people. Honor people. Love God. Surrender to the Lord. Put him first. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Is this making sense to anybody? This is not rocket science, but it's not easy it requires us to continually die to ourselves. Let me go to the last one here. We talked about personal relationship with Jesus, clear conscience, fear of the Lord, joyful obedience. And, uh, and let me go to the last one here, Christ-like trust. In fact, I'm gonna, I gotta go back to one more verse. It's so good. 1 John 3, 22. Whatever we ask of him, we receive. Anybody want a dynamic prayer life? Because, there's that word again, conditional promise, Whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. I mean, you know, God loves to answer the prayers of righteous people with clean consciences, personal relationships, fear of God, and those that are walking in obedience with him. Last one, childlike trust. The Bible says in in Ephesians 3.12, in whom, talking about meaning in Christ, we have boldness and we access with confidence through our faith in him. I shared first service. You know, I could be sharing all of this. It's, it's the Bible, it's good news, and it's for you. But listen to me. If you don't believe it and you don't demonstrate faith in what I'm preaching, you get your brains beat out in life. People say, well, you know, all the promises of God, they just overtake me and like I just walk and it's all, all good. And, you know, it doesn't, no. It, it comes in response to faith. 
our response is faith. What's faith? It's childlike trust. It's believing that God is faithful. It's believing when we sing that song, Lion and the Lamb, and David's up here leading the charge, and who can stop the Lord Almighty? It's actually believing nobody can. It's actually believing it. If when God says you're forgiven, then stop beating yourself up and walking around with guilt and shame. It means you're not believing what God says about you. And you can be forgiven and the blood, shed blood of Jesus can pay for it all and you're still walking around with your head hanging because you think it doesn't apply to you because you're bigger than God. No, you're deceived. Start believing what God says. Everything I'm telling you is for you. The favor of God is for you. The freedom of God is for you. The forgiveness of God is for you. You've been adopted by God. You, he chose you. He loves you. He sets his affection on you. He adores you. You thrill his heart. That's all true, but if you don't believe it, you know what? You act like an orphan, and you walk around with your head hanging, and you're, you're full of unbelief, and you're like, well, you know, I, I gave one time, and God never, you know, got my ears fixed. Because this isn't a slot machine. This is about a relationship with God. Why don't you try walking with him? Why don't you let him squeeze all that unbelief pus out of your heart? Get it out of there. Pus in your heart. Learn to walk with God. Learn to trust God. Learn to believe God. Learn to say, if God says that, it's for me. It's for me. I'm telling you, it's for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's for you. Tell him that right now. I mean, like you mean it. Tell him like they don't believe it. Tell him, tell him seriously, it's for you. It's good news. Last promise, and then worship team, come on up here. Listen to this. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. The word blessed means happy, confident, to be favored are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees that are planted along the riverbanks with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat, and they're not worried by long months of drought. Let me just say this. Every one of us in this life will go through seasons of drought where you wonder, where, when is the rain going to come? And every one of us will go through seasons of great heat. When you're under heat, you're under attack. You're under, uh, there's an attack in your family, attack in your marriage, attack wherever. You're going to feel the heat of hell on your life, and you're going to feel a drought in your life. But this is the promise of God. These people, their leaves are going to stay green, and they're never going to stop producing fruit. What does that mean? That means there's a place in God when all hell's breaking loose, when your hope and confidence is resting in Him, and while everything around you is shriveling and dying, you're not, because your economy is not based on America, because your promises are not based on the, the latest, greatest, whatever. Your promises are not contingent upon the evening news. Your life is rooted in God. And God transcends all generations. God from eternity past to eternity future, if there's such a thing, is unchangeable in his treatment towards his people. There is a people who in the midst of drought and heat are going to be green, healthy, alive. And check this out. What's the purpose of fruit? Trees don't eat their own fruit. Fruit is for other people to eat. Which means this. In the time when everybody else is looking out for number one and trying to survive, how would you like to be a person who's healthy enough that you have fruit that you can give away to other people? Which means you have personally have more than enough. 
You, I'm going to say it again. You have more than enough. During the heat and during the drought, you have more than enough because you've learned to be as bold as a lion. And when the enemy comes, you don't shrivel up and die. You start declaring the praises and the purposes of God over your life. You smile when everybody else is frowning. You start singing when everybody else is whining. You may know what I'm talking about here. You're carrying yourself differently because of who you are and who he is and your relationship with him. When the bad report comes, you're not caving under the bad report. You're saying, hey, thank God for honest doctors, but let's bring that report to the Lord. When you're dealing with a situation in your family, it doesn't look good, or you're dealing with addiction or whatever that's blowing things up, you just say, you know what, Lord, we're in the heat, we're in the drought, but God, I thank you. Our family's going to be green, and we're going to produce some fruit during this season. I mean, you know, good investors make all their money in down cycles, not in up cycles. I'm saying we need to learn how to make some, some kingdom resources in the down times, because that's when... We shine, and that's when we stick out, and that's when the world is astonished by us. I want you to stand to your feet. And I, I believe there are people here this morning. I'm just telling you, you need a breakthrough, and the breakthrough comes when you believe what I just preached today because it's the Word of God. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing, but we're not just singing. We're roaring. The righteous are like lions, and they roar. They're praises to God. They boast in the Lord. We want to pray for people. If you don't know Jesus or you're dealing with a situation where hope feels lost, you got some fear in your heart, you got some circumstances that are overwhelming, you're saying, God, what do I do? How do I find you? We want to help you, all right? We want to pray for you. We also got marriage class today, 4 o'clock. Don't miss marriage class if your marriage is under attack right now. There's help for you there. There's fruit for you there. Make sure you show up at marriage class today at 4. Here's what I want to do. I want us to sing. And if you need to slip out, do so. Don't, don't let us keep you if you need to slip out. But listen to me. Some of you need to just get your confidence and your boast back in God today. If you have a guilty conscience over something, man, the altars are open. Come and lay it before the Lord and repent of whatever's going on. Ask God to forgive you. Declare your, your fear of the Lord and your desire to walk before him in integrity. Man, I put these principles into practice. Choose to obey God if you've been disobedient. Choose to obey God. Whatever the situation, the response from you that's necessary, let's do it. We're going to have our pastors and elders come up front. We want to pray for you today. If you don't know Christ today, man, his arms are wide open. Run to these altars. Say, I need to know Christ as my Savior. Somebody here will pray with you, all right? But let's worship. Let's worship.